Good morning. The following message entitled, Fueled to Delight, was given by Joe Ryer on the 15th of June, 2014, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. If you have a Bible, open to Psalm chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, open to Psalm chapter 1. My name's Joe. Um, If I haven't met you yet, welcome to Sovereign Grace Church. Let's pray, and then we'll get into God's Word. Lord, thank You for another day that You have made. Lord, we rejoice and we're glad in it. Thank You that if we've trusted in You, we are not objects of Your wrath, but we are objects of Your delight. We are Your sons and daughters. And I pray that reality would fill us with joy and gratefulness, and excitement for you. And Holy Spirit, pray that through this psalm, you would stir us to to love you and delight in you all the more. And Lord, we ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, open to Psalm chapter 1. I also was at youth camp, so I get to wear a t-shirt today while I preach, which I love. And one of the things we like to do at youth camp is use visual things to help teach some of the truths from God's Word. Or it might not always directly connect. But what I'm going to do, I have three categories of things. And we like to do some interactive stuff. I have three categories of things. And if you were not at youth camp, you're allowed to participate in this activity. So I'm going to describe three categories of things. And then I want you to raise your hand and tell me what you think they might have in common. What, what, what are these three categories? So, category one. I have a bag of Brussels sprouts that I've been carrying around since last Wednesday. And in the same category, I have two movies, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen and Persuasion by Jane Austen with the Brussels sprouts. Second category, Old Bay Crab Seasoning. If you're from Maryland, you know what this is. And a fishing lure. Third category, a dog toy. Don't know if you can hear it. My varsity jacket from high school. I was on the cross country and track team. And a stack of books. So raise your hand if you think you know what maybe one or all of these categories might be. If you don't have a green shirt on or you weren't at youth camp. Well, that's a good guess. Stages of my life. That, that's partially correct. Things I don't like, things I do like, and, and things I came to like. So let me tell you, Brussels sprouts, no taste for Brussels sprouts. When I was growing up, my parents, probably like many of your parents, said, you have to try everything, and try it like with a smile. So I remember the day we had Brussels sprouts, my mom made them, my dad is going to be the example to the family, he puts his fork in this giant Brussels sprout, He puts it in his mouth, and then he turns to the garbage can and spits it in the garbage can, and he said, you never have to eat Brussels sprouts in your life. To this day, I have no taste for Brussels sprouts. But if you like them and you want Brussels sprouts that I bought last Wednesday, you may have them after church. Now, some of these categories are going to offend you guys a little bit. In the same group as Brussels sprouts, for me, just for me, are two Jane Austen movies. Now, I know some of you love Jane Austen, and you're going to tell me she's a great writer. She is a great writer, or was a great writer. 
And she has an incredible insight into people. She does. But for whatever reason, I have no taste for Jane Austen movies. I have fallen asleep to Pride and Prejudice with my wife Mary. As she is, I've tried many times and I can't make it through with my eyes open. So I just have no taste. The second category, these are things I have enjoyed since I can remember. First is Old Bay Crab Seasoning. I'm from Pennsylvania, but the eastern side. Grew up near the Chesapeake Bay, and we ate Maryland blue crabs all the time. So probably from the age one onward, I have been eating Old Bay Crab Seasoning. Now that we live in western Pennsylvania, I put it on popcorn, I put it on noodles, I put it on tuna fish, I'll even put it on mushrooms to pretend like they're scallops. Because I love Old Bay Crab Seasoning. I had a taste for it, really, from birth. And likewise, I've enjoyed fishing since I could stand or hold a fishing rod with my dad. Love it. It's natural to me. The last group are things that were not natural enjoyments for me. This dog toy um, represents that I, I once didn't like dogs at all. I got bit in the back when I was like in second grade by a dog while we were at the beach, and I didn't like them. And then we got married, and Mary loves animals, so we had a dog. So now we have two dogs, a big chocolate lab, a little spaniel, and I love our dogs. I have a lot of fun with our dogs. I play with our dogs. I take them out. I feed them. It's just it's enjoyable, but it's acquired enjoyment. It, it wasn't there um, even in my early 20s. Likewise, even though I graduated from college, I really didn't read many books until I became a Christian, and so now I like books. I once hated books, and now I like to read. And lastly, when I was in ninth grade, I started running cross-country and track, and I wasn't that good at it. And so I remember the first time I went on a run with the cross-country team, I thought, I just signed up for torture. I'm going to die out here, and nobody's going to know where I am or what happened to me. But after the years went by and I began to get better at it, I really enjoyed it. Well, like I said, at youth camp, we like to use props, and they, they at times hopefully have a point. The point of this is these three categories, things we have no taste for, things we naturally enjoy, or things we acquire a taste for, I think describe probably where all of us are when it comes to God's Word, to reading this book and spending time with Him. Some of you may still be in the first category. You think, I just have no desire. When I open this book, it is, it is tasteless to me. I don't get it. I don't get why people are so excited about it. The second, you might look back into your early childhood, and as long as you can remember, even before you could read, you were opening God's Word. You, were, you had a children's Bible, and so something to be thankful for. And so it's just continued as the years have gone by. And then probably for most of us, Bible reading is one of those acquired tastes or acquired enjoyments that, that as we grow in a relationship with the Lord, we love this book more and we encounter the Lord more as we read this book. So no matter where you are in these categories, the Lord wants to stir your desire for Him and His Word. And to do so, just going to be looking at the first three verses of, the, of Psalm chapter 1. So look at Psalm chapter 1. And the title of this message is Fueled to Delight. And one of the primary fuels to delight in God comes from His Word. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Satisfied in God is the man. Favored by God is the man who walks not 
in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So we're going to focus on these verses by just asking a few questions. I'll try to answer those questions. The first question is this. What does it mean to delight in God and His Word? In this psalm, what the psalmist is saying is a blessed man or woman, a woman or man who knows God and is satisfied by God is one who spends a lot of time with God through His Word. So what does it mean to delight in God and His Word? We'll start with stuff that we like. A lot of you like Meadows ice cream. I know it's not ice cream. Last time I said Meadows, apparently some of you thought I was referring to the casino in Pittsburgh. I'm referring to the ice cream shop in Indiana. So let me clarify. But you you like the taste. And I don't have to tell you much about it. It touches your mouth touches your tongue, and there's enjoyment. Well, that's, that's delight. Just like when I was little and as a one-year-old, when people called me Joey, I tasted this and my eyes got big and I liked it. I delighted in it. And from every summer since, I delight in it. It's just this natural desire and enjoyment of something. Well, to delight in God and His Word, to meditate on His law, is to find Not just enjoyment in this book, but to find enjoyment in Him. Because He's the author of this book. And so when we delight, we find joy. We find satisfaction in God. So, as we've been learning in Romans, we by nature are born spiritual enemies. We are objects of God's wrath. But when we are born again and made alive and turn from our sins and trust in Christ, we have new appetites and new desires. And we, we want to delight in God. And this is like the, the biblical picture. But what, what the psalmist says is something interesting. He doesn't start with what to delight in. He tells us what not to do. Look at verse 1 again. So if you want to enjoy God more, you want to be satisfied in God more, Here's something not to do. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. If you want to have a joyful, satisfying Christian life, what the psalmist is saying is there's this progression of sin. Don't go to the wicked, those who do not know God for counsel. Do not sit with the sinners as they're sinning and indulging in sin. Don't sit with them and hang out with them and want to be like them. Don't sit in the seat of the, the scoffers, the mockers. Don't do it if you want a satisfying, enjoying, enjoyable Christian life. There's no life in that pursuit. I lived in all three of those categories before I was a Christian. They're empty, 
lifeless, and will end in death, certainly. Imagine this. Imagine that I was smarter than I am right now, and I was a nuclear scientist. And, and I, I heard that there was a nuclear bomb or power plant that went off, and I, I got my radiation suit on, and I got my, my instruments to test it, and I went and confirmed anybody who comes here without the proper gear on will die. Certain. And then I come back and I tell all of you, don't go there because death is certain. You wouldn't say, I want to go check it out for myself. Maybe I'll send my kids just to see what it's like. No, you'd say, it's, I believe him. He's a smart guy. I believe him. It's been confirmed. Well, it's the same with the pathway of the wicked. Pursuing a life of sin and hanging out with those who do. The, the end is certain. The Bible is so clear on what happens when we rebel against God and pursue a life of sin. We are punished eternally in hell. And so, I know when, you, when we grow up in churches, it, it can look very tempting to go down that path. To just like put your foot on the path and just see what it's like a little bit. It will end in death. Just like a site that a nuclear bomb went off in. Stay away from it. And connect it to joy and happiness. When you stay away from that path, when you stay off that path, there's actually more joy and satisfaction that God has for you. You will truly be blessed. So that's the negative. But the positive is, how do we delight? We delight in God by going to His Word. Listen to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and delight of my heart. Your words were found and I ate them, and they became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Jeremiah had an encounter with God and His Word. Psalm 119, um, verse 162 says, I rejoice at your Word like one who finds great spoil. I rejoice at your Word like one who finds great spoil. Like one who finds great riches. If you saw the second Hobbit movie that came out, you, you, you have the scene of the dragon who's just guarding over the gold. He's sleeping in the gold. He has great spoil and he just delights in it. Well, that's what it's like when, when we come to God and His Word. It's like, it should be like one who finds great riches. Great spoil. We have a great treasure in this book. Many men and women gave their life so that we would have all 66 books included in our Bible. It is it's a great treasure because through it we can know God. Jesus said this, He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. It's, it's like a great treasure. Imagine if you bring your neighbor here for the 4th of July event, and they're over in the empty field by the cemetery, and their kids are running around, and one of their children finds something under the ground. He moves the dirt away, and it's like a bag of $10 million. And he comes and he tells his dad, hey dad, I just found $10 million. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to make an offer of a million dollars to the cemetery. We're going to buy this land and then we're going to be rich. 
Well, that's what it should be like when we come to know Jesus. That we have found a great treasure. And we want to leave it all and sell all to know God. To delight in Him. Now you might be thinking, well, I know that's true, but that's not my experience. If I'm honest, when it, when it comes to opening God's Word and spending time with Him, it doesn't feel at times like you're describing. It doesn't feel like a great joy or a great treasure or a great spoil has been found. It probably feels more like at times what happens to my, my garden by the end of every summer is weeds have grown up. You see tomatoes like are this high and weeds that are this high. And so that's what happens to our hearts. It gets all crowded with other things. So how do we, how do we clear the debris? How do we pull the weeds so that we really can grow in delighting in God's Word? Which is the second point. How do we grow in delighting in God's Word? Well, the psalmist gives us a clue. said, so this blessed man in verse 2, This man who is blessed, his delight is in the law of the Lord, in God's Word, and spending time with Him. On His law, he meditates day and night. He spends time with the Lord, and he meditates on God's Word. Before we get to to meditating on it, how do do we grow? We, We grow by spending time with Him. And if there's no desire, we grow first and foremost by asking God for a desire. Praying. A prayer like Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of Your law. Open my eyes. Lord, open my eyes so that when I read this book, I see You. I experience You. I'm changed by You. Pray that prayer to God. He will answer that prayer. Now, do you guys remember the pictures that they used to sell at the mall? They might still do. Now there's, I'm sure, all kinds of websites where you got a picture and all you see is blocks, kind of like shapes. And as you stare at the picture, an image comes too, at least for some of us. I was never very good at it. But you stare at a picture, you see nothing. Stare long enough and you see this incredible scene. Does anybody know the name of those pictures? Bob, do you know the name of that picture? An auto stereogram. I asked him that this morning. That's how he knows the answer. We looked it up. But it's the picture. You see nothing. You look longer. And you see this incredible scene. Well, that, that's what should happen with God's Word. Lord, I don't understand this part of Your Word. Would You open my heart to understand And where it's just like that image. All you saw was nothing. Blocks. And then all of a sudden you see the Lord and His greatness and His kindness. And and faith rises in your heart and you're you're changed. Well, how do we grow in delighting in God? We spend time with Him by reading and praying and singing and meditating and thinking about God's Word. We spend time with Him. We make time for Him. Now, I've been married 15 years. We just celebrated our 15th anniversary. And wouldn't it be weird if on June 5th, 1999, the day I was married to my wife Mary, I looked at her after I said the vows, said, I will keep the vows. I love you dearly. 
but I'll see you in 50 years from now. I'm going to go travel the world. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to get really good at trout fishing. And, and as I meet people along the way, someone says, are you married? Oh, I am definitely married. Here's my ring. I haven't taken it off. And then I come back around at the age of 72, and I see Mary. Is she my wife? She's my wife. We're married. Do we have a relationship? No. And here's what the psalmist is getting at. It's the quality of the relationship. You can be a Christian. You can trust in Christ. Believe that He died and took the punishment in your place. And and you're forgiven. But if you don't spend time with Him and open God's Word and pray to Him, the quality of that relationship will not grow. It's kind of like when I was a freshman at Dallas Town High School. We were the Dallas Town Wildcats. I was on the team. I was part of the team. I wasn't a thriving part of the team. I was just on the team. Because in running, they don't cut anybody. So you're on the team if you can put running shoes on your feet. I was on the team. So if you ask me, are you a part of the team? I am a part of the team. If you ask my coach, is he a part of the team? He's a part of the team. If you ask my coach, is he helping your team win at all? My coach would say, no, he's not helping. But he's a part of the team. He's friendly. Uh, Well, when it comes to the Lord, you can be in the kingdom, but not a thriving part of the kingdom. Because you you haven't spent time. You're You're not growing. This has much less to do with your gifts and abilities and much more to do with your heart's desire for the Lord and a desire to spend time with Him. So we grow by spending time with Him. Making time for Him. Many of you might know this story in in the New Testament where Luke records a story where Mary and Martha are going to have the disciples over for dinner. And Luke writes it this way. He says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed Him into her house. So, the initial scene, Martha's excited to see Jesus. She's excited the twelve are with, with Jesus. So there's, there's joy. Verse 39, And she had a sister called Mary. It's always the sister. Who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Him and said, So Martha whose brother Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus, is about to rebuke Jesus who created all things that we can see and not see. So she says this to Jesus as she's looking at her sister sitting on the floor doing nothing. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So she rebukes Jesus and she commands Jesus. This is Jesus who looks at water in a storm and tells it to cease. So Martha was pretty whipped up if she's commanding Jesus. But the Lord answered her in a very kind way. He said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha, You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing's necessary. Mary's chosen the good portion. You put your name in the blank. At times we can be so distracted by the pressures and cares 
and responsibilities that we have that we're so anxious that we haven't made any time for the Lord. And Jesus Himself said, Mary chose the good portion as she's sitting at His feet. We want you to spend time with the Lord because it will be to your benefit. There will be lasting joy and satisfaction. So the psalmist says, blessed is the man who meditates on the law of the Lord. You might say, well, Joe, I'm not a meditative type person. I don't meditate. I think you do. Let me prove it to you. Moms of small children, do you ever imagine a day and a time that might come in your life where you sleep the whole night? You walk around your house without somebody holding on to you? you you're actually going to eat a meal and somebody else is going to bring it to you and it's not going to be interrupted? You think about those things. Because if you think about those things, they're, they're not bad things to think about, but that's meditating. Meditating is just using our mind to think about things. Or imagine that you're going on vacation and you've had a terrible year and you're just imagining yourself sitting at the beach, enjoying the ocean. Whenever I have those kind of thinking about vacation, I never think about any sin or kids fighting or anything. So it's like I have a, a tunnel vision meditation of disconnected from reality vacation that, that won't happen until we're in heaven. But you think about things. Or imagine that you've saved up money to buy something you really, really wanted. Maybe it's a tech thing. Maybe it's a gun. Maybe it's just a new car. Something you really wanted. And you're thinking about it. And you're imagining it. And you're using every mental ability you have to think about. That's what it means to meditate. And what it means to meditate on God's Word is to think about it. And prayerfully consider it. So let me give you an example of what's been helpful for me lately. Matthew 6, Jesus says, to those who are anxious about their lives, and worried, uh, how's it all going to work out? Is God going to provide? Here's what He says. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. So if that's all we had, that's not super helpful. So as bills are piling up or pressures are mounting, okay, Jesus said not to do it. Does he really know what my life is like? I'm not sure. But listen to what he says next. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they. And so to meditate on this verse and the truth in this verse is to do things like, Lord, you say that I'm your adopted son or I'm your adopted daughter. You value your children so much. And yet, even a little bird that's just singing, you provide for that bird. That bird hasn't ever gone hungry. Have you ever heard a bird just like complaining in your backyard and just moaning? No, they're always singing. And so when you look at a bird and you hear it singing in a tree, it should be a reminder that God will provide for you. That He will provide for your children. It's meditating on a truth. It doesn't mean that you go into work tomorrow, no matter what your job is, and you're just holding the Bible with one hand and doing your job with the other. If you're typing or you're hitting a hammer or you're sawing something, you're just like, sorry boss, i got to meditate on this. My pastor said I have to meditate on this book every hour 
of every day that I'm awake. So I'm going to hold it with one hand and I'm going to work with the other. No, that's not it. It's thinking about it and prayerfully being aware of the Lord. Because as you do, you will, will grow. Have you ever wondered that when you go to a conference or those of us who went to youth camp or even maybe from Sunday to Sunday, you come in and you're excited for the Lord and things get stirred up and then it all seems to just kind of drain out. And the passion wanes and the desires wane and it's, it's just not as exciting as it, as it was at that event or the Sunday before. You know, Greg doesn't have his electric guitar you know, when I wake up at my house tomorrow morning. He's not there playing. Because that would be weird. <laughs> but, you get the point. The, the point is that our hearts go up and down. Our minds go up and down. And, and to help us with this point at youth camp, after I spoke on a similar message to this, Jim Allshouse, who is a teacher, responsible 31-year-old. Jim, are you in the room? Could you stand up just so people can see your head? This is our responsible teacher. He has stripes in his head from youth camp. You may have a seat. Well, he wanted us to get this, at least the guys to get this truth. So what do you think a teacher, who's also a father, who's extremely responsible, you know, he's entrusted with the youth of this area, what would he do to help teenage boys get this truth? Here's what he did. I didn't even know he was going to do this until I, until I got at the campfire. So we have a campfire. And he's telling, you know, the ingredients for a campfire, you need oxygen, you need some sort of fire, you need fuel. So to, to get the point at home, he, he goes back to the pavilion, and the kids know Jim enough that all the boys kind of backed up from the circle, just as he was going back to the pavilion. He goes back to the pavilion, and he gets a leaf blower, gas-powered leaf blower, fires it up, and begins to just shoot it on the fire. What do you think happened to the fire? It got big. That fire was raging. And you could see the tree line that we couldn't even see. And I thought, man, this, this looks dangerous. And, and he's just, your kids are safe. If you weren't there, kids are safe. No singed eyebrows or anything. But his point was that that looks impressive. And that, that's kind of exciting. It's, it's this big, blazing fire. But he said if he continued for a little bit longer, he could actually blow that fire out with the leaf blower. And then what he did, he went back to the pavilion, and this wasn't near as exciting. He got some wood, some firewood, some hard firewood that he had dried out in his oven, in his kitchen, and put it into the, the fire. So he built the core of the fire. And he just loaded it in. And when, when he put that in, no big flames shot up. Nothing real impressive to the eye occurred. But hours later, that fire was burning hot and strong. And it, his point was that you know, at times there, there is this experience of God that is exciting. And, and we're thankful for those times. But what's going to keep us being this blessed man that the psalmist is describing is having this regular fuel that comes from God's Word. Just regularly spending time Alone, with your Bible open, praying to the Lord. It's not very exciting. It's not very impressive. If you watched me reading the Bible in the morning, you wouldn't think, wow, that is really exciting. You see a guy with a cup of coffee and a dog sitting on the floor 
And he's just flipping the pages. It looks like not much is happening. But by the grace of God, many in this room have been flipping this book day after day for decades. And do you know what happens? It's like that fire. It is burning hot in a lot of lives that are part of this church because they believe the psalmist. Blessed is the man or the woman who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. There's this fuel. And if you've wondered, how how has so-and-so walked through this difficulty in life? How has so-and-so continued to sing to the Lord and actually seem to have genuine joy in the midst of sadness and sorrow? Well, it is the grace of God in their lives But it's not disconnected from their understanding of this word. They really believe every single word in this book. And listen to what the psalmist says will be the benefit of someone who spends time with the Lord regularly. Which is the last point. What are the results of delighting in the Lord? Verse 3. Here's what you're going to be like. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. What are you going to be like? You're going to be blessed and satisfied in God. You're going to be like a tree planted by this water, this living water that is fruitful, that the leaves aren't crumbled up, that that is just healthy and growing and has deep roots. You know, picture the biggest tree you can imagine that's strong and healthy and providing shade for, for many around it. Well, that happens from slow growth over many, many years. As, as you read this Word, and your roots just grow slowly and deeply into God. Well, what happens? Here's one thing that will happen. You will be full of life and satisfaction. If you meditate and delight in God, you will be full of life and satisfaction. Isaiah says, Why do you spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? So we kind of have two choices. We can pursue things that will not satisfy or we can pursue the Lord who will satisfy. And do you remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well? meets a woman at a well, and John tells us that this woman has had five husbands and the man she is now with is not her husband. And Jesus goes up to her and they have this incredible interchange of words. And Jesus says this to her, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's the result of spending time with the Lord and delighting in the Lord, that there is this living, satisfying water that slowly grows, this this satisfaction of soul that only Jesus can do. That'll happen as you spend time with the Lord. What else will be the results? You will be fruitful. You will bear fruit for the Lord. John says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. By this my Father is glorified that you bear 
much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Well, how do we bear fruit? We spend time with the Lord. We're connected to the vine. And as we do, we will grow and we will change. Well, I'm a dad of three children, and the oldest is 12, my son Isaac, my daughter Lily is 10, and my son Adam is 6. So just by nature of their age and their interests, I'm at a lot of sporting events throughout the year, probably like many of you. So Soccer, swimming, wrestling were on the, the list this past year, and some are still continuing. And one of the things that's pretty incredible about sports, and I, I really like sports, is, is watching my kindergartner learn to wrestle. So in his wrestling room are five-year-olds and six-year-olds, and then junior high kids are kind of coming in and out as well. So we have about a 10-year window of age that you get to see. If you've ever seen a kindergarten wrestling match, it's not real exciting. They're kind of holding hands. They're sort of looking at each other. And what my son was doing this year is he would just lay on his back when he wanted it to be over, and then they would pin him. Um, so there's not much intensity going on. But then you look at a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old who's been wrestling for 10 years, and it's skilled, and it's intense, and it's quick, and, and they just got it down. Well, it's the same thing with swimming. I was at the pool last week, dropping my daughter off for swimming lessons, watching kids in one end of the pool. They're like doggy paddling, barely keeping their head above water. And you look to the other end of Mac Pool, and there's these men who are like 15 or 16, just swimming like men. I mean, these guys are just looking strong. I think, wow, how did that doggy paddler turn into that person within 10 years? And the point is, in a very short amount of time, relatively speaking, five or ten years, these kids, these teenagers went from being little kids just learning something to being very good at an event and very strong. Well, that's the picture I want you to have in mind because how did that happen for them? How did the little wrestler become a skilled wrestler? How did the little doggy paddler swimmer become a very skilled swimmer. It was very boring, actually. Day after day, their mom and dad would drop off the little boy, the little girl practice, and they would just follow these repetitive type things that the coaches would say. Nothing impressive at all. But all the while, they were growing in their skill. It's the same for us as Christians. As we spend time with the Lord, you're growing. You're going to grow more and more. And you're not going to be aware from Monday to Wednesday that you're actually growing, but you will certainly be aware from 2015 to 2025. Wow, I really grew. So what, what will be the effect? You will grow. You'll be like a tree. And lastly, you, you'll be storm resistant. If you spend time in this book with the Lord and you grow, you're going to be storm resistant. doesn't mean that you're not going to be battered by the things of life and the challenges of life. And you'll lose a branch here and there. You'll look a little gnarly by the end. But you'll be deeply rooted in God if you spend time with Him. Jesus says, Matthew 7, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man built his house on the rock. The rain fell, 
the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. That's God's desire for you. That you would be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that you do, you will prosper. Let's pray and the band can come up. Father, thank You for Your Word. Holy Spirit, we pray for help. Whether we're in the category of Your Word is just tasteless to us, or it is a delight that we love, or it's one we want to grow in. Lord, would You help us all to grow deep roots in You and Your Word. And I pray that every individual in this church would would bear fruit for You and bring You glory and would be satisfied in You. Lord, we love You. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.